Welcome to the Podcast Connector. Each week, we'll bring you behind-the-scenes tips on all things entrepreneurship, spreading your message, and the podcasting space. Plus, we will connect you with some amazing people in health, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Let's dive in. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Christina. Thanks so much for podcasting with me. (laughs) Of course. We're uh, here in Kelly's very official studio well connor's studio connor's yeah we hijacked it yeah we we stole it mm-hmm. uh, but this is very legit we have he all thinks the, he's joe rogan that's why he does <laughs> clearly uh he has his all his sound panels mm-hmm. all his back backdrop it's yeah. all bullshit live for your die oh man <laughs> so connor of him yeah very connor of him well i i want to talk about podcasting uh if if I were to talk to anybody about it, it'd be you. Um, so uh, if you're listening, my other show, Christina the Channel podcast, Kelly produces mm-hmm. amongst many other shows, Yeah, like many other shows. Yeah, we have about 40 now. Yeah, that's wild. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And I know I was one of the first people, I was like in the first round, which was really exciting. You, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this. So um, <laughs> when we were starting Soul Fire Productions, mm-hmm. I was like, well, fuck me. How am I going to get clients? Uh Right. I was just so scared. It was just like a new thing for me to be doing. And so I just started reaching out to people I knew that I liked that I wanted to work with. And I didn't really know you that well. We had Mm -hmm. podcasted once together at that point and we like barely really talked. And so as soon as we got off the call and you had been like, yeah, I'm in. I like ran out from yeah. my office in the living room. I was like, Connor, Christina Rice said yes. Oh and it was like God. one of our first yeses. Really? And then Sarah Small was shortly after you. <laughs> and I loved her already too. And I was like, oh my God, these women that I love and like admire are saying yes to me. This is Aww. so dope. So, so thanks cool. for saying yes when I don't know yeah. if we knew what we were doing, but well, we do now. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for asking me. I was like, it's funny. I was thinking about that this morning because I was very not into the whole network idea ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he reached out, I was like, well, obviously this is different. Uh, but yeah, if you hadn't reached out, I wouldn't have done it. But there's something in me. I was like, oh, well, this is a sign. And at that yeah. point, I was like, I should probably outsource this mm-hmm. uh, because I, I held on to it for a really long time because it didn't feel like that much time. You know, it was like, what, maybe an hour or two extra a week. And I would like edit my show while I was doing other things. So I held on to it for so long and then you released something like that. And it was like, it gave me like my whole week back. Totally. Well, and wild. we've talked about it. It's like things like that, that don't feel creatively expansive, yeah. that aren't like exciting to do. It's like an energy drain. Yeah, and I, th- I totally. hear that from so many of our clients they are like, honestly, one of the biggest reasons I'm here is because I don't have to think about this anymore. And I can think about the million other projects that I get to do that make me money or whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, yeah because there's so many logistics that go into podcasting that a lot of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. And, but I think that this has made it so much more accessible. I've had conversations with a few people recently who, you know, might be talking to you soon, but they're like, it just feels like such an ordeal. Doesn't it take like 10 hours a week to do all the editing? And I was like, well, from the beginning, if you just outsource it, you're 20 steps ahead and it's not as big a deal. Um, I think the consistency piece is, is the bigger piece. Mm-hmm. I think we'll circle back to that, but I want to hear about why you started Soulfire, like the very beginning. Cause I've never really asked you like, what made you want to start the network? Yeah. And what was that like? Yeah. So my background is in television. I was a TV host for like 12 or 13 years. And so I understood production from a lot of different angles. I understood what made something look good and sound good. I understood storytelling really well. I knew how to be on camera, have conversations. And then I knew how to write and like the back end of things. And so 
when I was doing my podcast, I had another production team that worked on my show. I just felt like there was this huge disconnect. I didn't feel like there was attention to detail. I didn't like, I didn't didn't feel like they had a vision or understood my vision. And there wasn't a lot of creativity that went into it. It was just like, this is a podcast. This is what we do. And because I think I knew so many things about production in general, I could see that a lot better than most people. And so I just felt like there was a better way to go about it. There was an opportunity for more women in the space. You know, podcasting is very male dominated. Mm especially at the top. We were just at a podcast convention in Nashville and Sam and I were there, who's our COO of Soulfire. And <laughs> it was all men. There really? was like five female founders and we really? like found each other. Wow. Yeah. And they were like, we're so proud of you. Cause I was 10 or 15 years younger than most of the other women. Yeah. And they were like, keep going. We're so proud of you. Like we need you. And I felt like that when I was starting Soulfire, I'm like, there has to be more women in this space. And People like you, so many women that I admire who have podcasts needed bigger platforms and needed more support. And so when Connor and I started dating, he understood the network side of things and how to build podcasts from the ground up because he had done it with his own. He had built Aubrey Marcus's podcast when it first started. So he just like had this really great awareness around things I didn't know about. And then I bring in my production aspect of things as well as you know, being the face of the company and doing all the client outreach and all of that stuff. And then we brought on Sam, who used to work at my old production company, and we were very well-rounded in that. And so our whole thing was community, transparency, and how can we help everyone grow um, and also have a company that's run by women. So Mm -hmm. only Connor and our head of video, Josh, are the two guys. The rest of us are women. There's nine of us, which feels really cool. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know this, like podcasting is it feels like this secret society where you can't get answers. And I don't like that. You know, it's like someone who has the answer, it's like, great, but they don't want to share it. And I don't understand that. I want to tell you everything I know. I'm like, well, I want you to be successful. So here's everything I know about podcasting. And I just didn't see that in the industry. So we created a mastermind for our hosts. We give as much information as possible. Anytime something new comes up, whether it's with Instagram or uh, social media or podcasting, we send out emails to our clients. We're just very uh, forward about everything and we try and stay ahead of things so that people know what's happening. And so that's really how it all started. And it was, you know, we kind of made it up as we've gone, which I'm sure all entrepreneurs do and understand. But I mean, the coolest part is that people are really attracted to what we do. One, because like you said, they don't want to have to do all the logistics, but I think really on a bigger scale, it's about the community. Like they love the masterminds and getting to know one another and feeling like they're not alone and isolated in the space. Yeah. I mean, the main thing I was nervous about with networks is like, I just didn't want to feel like somebody else owned my show. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who started who had joined networks and they were basically feeling like my show is not mine anymore yeah and I did not want to feel like that like I had put too much time into it to to feel like that and I obviously wanted to just outsource so I was outsource everything I was doing uh you guys make way better graphics but it's true it's like if I didn't have there are certain connections I made who I was like, if I didn't have these, I would have no idea what was going on in the podcasting space. Like, honestly, like mind pump was huge, yeah. right? Because like, if I didn't know them well, like they, they were a main way that I was updated on what was going on in the podcasting space, because it is very much like no one knows what's going on. If you have friends who, and usually, usually it's the bigger shows, right? They have like Intel and you're like, it's just word of mouth. Other than that, how are you supposed to find out about everything? Yeah. It's like, not on Google. That's yeah. Sure. It's so, it's so <laughs> crazy. Um, 
And I've just met the coolest people through Soulfire. Like, it's so great for networking. Yeah. And um, I personally like that all the shows are in the same type of industries. You know, it's just not all over the place. Um, but I think a lot of people and people listening, we're talking to entrepreneurs. And there are a lot of people who might be wondering, is it worth it to start a podcast? Because it's a really saturated space. It feels like everybody and their mom has a podcast now. Like, what would you say to that? Yeah. You know, we felt that way too. And then we went to this podcast convention and one of the numbers that we got that was shocking is there are 2.3 million podcasts in Apple podcasts. And I'm only talking Apple cause it's the big player, right? Yeah. No one else really matters at this point. Hopefully <laughs> Spotify figures their shit out and makes it better. But right now it's just Apple. So there's 2.3 million podcasts, but only 320,000 of them are active. So if you think that's wild to me, so wild. And most of those shows, they did like four episodes and then yeah. bailed. Right. And I bet that it's probably half of 320,000 because in order to be considered active, I think the number is you have to have 10 or more podcasts, like in the last, however many months. Um, so I imagine a lot of those shows also dropped off too. They're not actually active. So if you look at podcasting versus Instagram versus blogging, Pinterest, it is still so small. Yeah. Like there are a bajillion blogs out there. I don't know the actual number, but it's in the millions and tens it's, of millions. It's quite to a bajillion. Yeah. It's, it's like, close. it's a lot. So <laughs> if you're looking for a space where you can reach your community and you can actually break out and do something great, then podcasting is still available. The problem, well, there's two problems that I see. One is it's nearly impossible to be found on Apple Podcasts unless you know exactly what you're looking for. Because it's crowded with 2.3 million podcasts, they don't clean it out. And so rankings don't matter. The new and noteworthy are a joke because they're chosen. You don't actually earn your way there or you pay your way there. So in order to be found on Apple Podcasts, it's not going to happen. People also are starting podcasts with basically no social media following and haven't created a community and they think, well, my podcast will just take off because it's like its own thing. And that doesn't work. And we've had to have really hard conversations with clients. Like, look, I know that this is something that matters a lot to you, but your downloads are what they are because you have 500 followers or people in your community and you have no other way to reach them. You don't have an email list. You don't have a monthly community. You're not doing anything else. And so this is where the people are, but there's not many of them. So this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and we've also seen that with people who have 100,000 plus followers on Instagram and they are getting 100 downloads in their first few weeks. And they're like, um, excuse me. And I'm like, it takes a long time to translate your followers and your community to go over to a podcast. Yeah. Because one, Instagram, you miss a lot of things. We only see what, like 6% of yeah. people's stuff. And it's gotten even worse. Yeah. I was just looking at that this morning. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. So people, it's going to take them a lot of touch points and yeah. a lot of like reposts for them to even know you have a podcast. And then to ask them to go listen to this thing um, is another hurdle. So I think those are just some of the things we see. It's like, yes, it is a space where you can grow and do well. Do you have the infrastructure for it? Do you have the patience? It's going to take five to six years for you to see like a real return on it. Um, and is it something that your audience has asked you for? That's the other big thing. A lot of people start podcasts and their audience is like, I don't fucking care what you have to say. Yeah. I'm here for your pictures. I'm here for your recipes. Your podcast literally means nothing to me. And in that case, I'm like, well, we have to have an honest conversation about your brand and what you're creating. Because if they don't want it, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. 
my God, there's so much good stuff in yeah. there. Um, and actually it was like, I was like, yeah, that number is crazy when you're saying how so few podcasts are active. And then I was thinking about it more and I'm like, it's actually not because that's one of the biggest hurdles we had with the podcast connector is like most of the shows we find, right. It takes time just like finding shows and communicating with them. The majority of them, you know, we look at the last time they posted and it's been so long ago and it's just like sorting through all the clutter. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Or people will be like, you know, they join the network and the podcast connector and then they like they drop off you yeah. know and then we're going to pitch and we're like wait they haven't posted in like three months you know so this isn't going to work but I think the social media aspect or just having another way to build a community is so important and I think this ties into like podcasting is a skill mm-hmm. like it is a skill and not everybody has interesting conversations and I, I like not everybody should podcast you know and I think that's the thing it's people just assume that people are going to listen but they might only want to see your 30 second reel and they don't, they don't want to listen to you for an hour. Like it takes a certain type of person where your audience will want to listen to you for that amount of time. Yeah. Right. So what do you think is what, what's a skill set that is required of a podcaster? Do you think? I think to be warm and engaging is a really big skill that a lot of people lack. Mm. People can talk, but Are you inviting people into your conversation? One of the biggest compliments I get, and I'm sure you get this too, because I listen to your show and I know how it is, is, wow, I feel like I'm sitting on the couch talking to you and your guest. I feel like I'm just one of the girls. That is the coolest compliment you can get as a podcaster because it is a very intimate experience. And if you don't have that personality that like brings people in, why are they going to sit there and listen for so long, right? So I think that's one of the things. I think another thing is listening. I cringe. (laughs) It is like painful for me to listen to podcasts when the host is constantly interrupting the guest. And when they're also, the guest says something really poignant or interesting and the host is so hellbent on, these are my 12 questions and I'm going to stick to them. Oh my gosh. What the fuck are you doing? Just listen. It's like, if I'm talking about one thing and then you take me off on some crazy tangent that actually is way cooler than what I was planning on, I better follow you on that tangent, even if it's quote unquote off topic. It's the good stuff. Yes. Because that's the other compliment I get is that people will say, oh, I was listening to so-and-so talk about something. And then you asked the question I wanted to ask. I was in my car thinking, I wonder X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden you pop in and ask it. That is the ability of a good listener is that you can do that. I do that really well because I worked in TV for 12 years. Like this is my skill set. I don't have many skill sets. I'm very good at this <laughs> one thing. True. <laughs> I knew how to be on TV. That's pretty much the only job I ever had. Oh I worked God. at Lulu for like 11 months. You're good at volleyball. I was very good at volleyball. There's that. Can rock some spandex. You've been rocking spandex all weekend. I'm, I'm all about the spandex. Kill it. Um, but I think those are some of the biggest things. And then yeah. I do think one thing that I've been noticing a lot lately is energy levels. This is something most people don't know. And I learned this when I was in TV is in a visual medium, you don't have to try super hard with your energy because people can see you. They see your expressions on your face. They see hand gestures. They see reactions. Even if you're not talking, if you say something crazy and my eyes get really big and I'm like, oh my God, you can see all those things. When it's an audio medium, you have to pretend you're at a much higher level of energy because it's not translating through the audio. And so I remember I used to do voiceovers when I worked for the Lakers and I would do like a a voiceover for some, you know, 30 second video we were playing. And 
I smiled the whole time because it automatically changes your energy. Like when you're smiling, it's like you're more peppy and it's more exciting and it's more engaging, right? So I think that's something people have to think about if you're talking like this. And okay, <laughs> it's like- No one wants to listen to that. Yeah, that's you know? true. It's like bring energy to the conversation. Oh man, I mean, I think that's, this reminds me of when Instagram stories came out and suddenly I started hearing all of my favorite Instagram people talking and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I don't think I want to follow you anymore, right? Because, it, I mean, it weeds people out. And yes. I, that's one of the things I like about it, though, because I like that we take the looks out of it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's like you start to get... I think a realer side of people it's it's very clear when somebody is really scripted at least to me yeah and I think there are a lot of people that start a podcast and they just assume it's gonna go really well because maybe they have a I don't know big following or big business if they are not used to being authentic which there are a lot of people who build their businesses not off authenticity it shows yeah right I feel like it really weeds people out in that way which I think is I think is really valuable yeah you know I think I want to go back to this point you said um that not everyone should have a podcast. Yeah. I 100% agree. And if you had talked to me two years ago, I would have disagreed. I've been like, everyone can have a podcast. It's great. No, it's really not. It's not for everyone. And I think a few of the questions to ask yourself before you start a podcast, or even like we have some people coming to us now as new clients and we're rebranding and relaunching their show. So they've been doing this for a year, two years. And some of the things they haven't asked themselves are, why am I having a podcast? Yeah. Who am I talking to? How does this bring them value? Where does this fit in my business? Uh, Am I willing to commit five to six years minimum to this to see the growth and the return and the organic, you know, evolvement of the show? If you're not asking yourself those questions and you're not being super honest about it, I don't think you should have a podcast because the reason things don't work is because people haven't answered those questions. They're like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just like feel this thing or I swear to God, if I hear one more person be like, I'm not sure what value this brings them. I'm trying to inspire them. Okay, literally, I could be inspired by the tree in front of me. I don't need your podcast to inspire me. So like, what else is it that's bringing me value? If you can't answer those, don't have a podcast. Yeah. And if you are not willing to be in a committed relationship with it. Yes. Right. Cause like to your point, take, I think that's, the, I think that's one of the hardest things for people is the consistency, mm-hmm. right? If you're not willing to be consistent, you're not willing to show up even when it feels like no one's listening, then you're not, you're not going to make it yep. really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, that's another thing that we talked a lot about at the podcast conference and people who have been doing it for years said the reason we are right here right now today is one, we showed the fuck up, but two, we were consistent every week, same time for five years straight. Yeah. We didn't miss things happen and we figured it out and your community continues to follow along and grow with you. If it's sporadic and all over the place, of course it depends on your personality and the personality of your show. But for the most part, people are expecting things to show up at a certain time. And if it's not there, they start to fall off. They stop relying on you and it may not even be a conscious decision But if you look at Apple Podcasts in the feed and the way it is now, it's changed like seven times in the last year. But the way it is now is it's their most recent podcasts are at the top. Well, if you're not consistently putting out shows and you're not in the top of their feed, well, I'm not going to listen to Christina the channel anymore because I haven't seen her in my feed in two weeks. And I forgot because now I'm listening to the Kelly show and Kelly's putting out content three times as much or whatever it is. And it's kind of that psychological game that you're playing, but you have to be aware of that because that is how the quote unquote algorithm works in podcasts. Yeah. Well, I also think there's the element of like every single Thursday, 
from when I was what nine years old until when I was 22 I watched Grey's Anatomy yes. you know it's like Thursday was Grey's Anatomy and and there's something to that it, like I have people who have listening have been listening to me every single Monday for six years mm-hmm. right like we are in a close relationship and that is invaluable right good like people know it's every Monday I, I listen to her show, right? And there's something just being in the routine of that person's life that I think is so, so important. Yes. For sure. Yeah. I want to bring something up and we haven't talked about this really because we just kind of realized this is a an analytic that we have access to now, but the listen through rate. Yeah. And I'd like to give you props for a second if you're oh, okay with that. <laughs> so all of our clients are sending us their listen through rates now. And a listen through rate is what it what it says it is. It's how long people are listening to your show. And the ideal number is 60% or above. If you are on average 60% or above, your people are listening and that's where you want to be. And the reason we're doing that is because you can increase your listen rate by 70, 80% if you cut your show even five to 10 minutes. The other thing is that Apple Podcasts, now subscriptions, ratings, reviews aren't what is helping your show show up. It's actually the listen through rate. Mm -hmm. So if people are listening 20% of your show, your show's never going to be discoverable because it shows that people don't want to listen to it. So that's how they're kind of navigating that. But what I want to say is that You have not only been consistent for six years and your show's up every Monday and you give so much value, but your listen through rate is like 90% plus. (laughs) I mean, some of them. Well, right. Yeah. Of course, there's going to be like some that are crap. Like not everything's going to work, right? Maybe you have some that are 60%, 40%. That's going to happen, especially on longer episodes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you're like 90%, right? And what does that tell me? It tells me so many things. The biggest thing is that you're providing value throughout the entire show. You are not falling off. You're not trailing off 30 minutes in and then it becomes this like boring, monotonous conversation or solo or whatever it is. You are engaging your people for long periods of time. Your show is the right amount of length for your audience. And we've never checked this before. This is like a new thing we have access to now. So we didn't know. You just happen to be really good at it. But what I'm seeing is that a lot of other shows are 30 and 45 minutes too long that that listen throughs are 45 to 60 percent on average and I think there's a lot of factors that go into it but I think that if you're having dynamic conversations that are giving value for the entire thing and you are consistent putting it up and people know what they're going to get from you and they can expect that then that's the kind of quality podcast and return you can see But if you're not doing those things and you have a listen through rate of 40%, it's time to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, cut the episode by X amount of minutes. How can I engage them for longer periods of time? And where is it that I'm not giving them value? Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. I think think this conversation is really interesting because I actually had some questions that we haven't even talked about yet. And because I was thinking too, you know, like I know you guys said you recommend for shows that have a lower listen through rate, reducing the length. But what if that doesn't solve it? Cause it's like, I, I know for me, I personally listen to show all of the shows I listen to are going to be between 45 minutes and an hour and a half. That's just how it is. And Every time I ever listen to a show that's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I always feel like it was a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. I always feel like they never went anywhere. I always feel like, what the, what the fuck was the point of that? And I usually drop off after like two minutes. It's like I can tell it's just going to be fluff, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's my part of my me trying to figure this out, right? Because it's like, what if the show is just not that good? And so cutting it isn't even helpful. 
Yes, that is a whole other conversation <laughs> yeah. to be had. I agree. I 100% agree. I like longer podcasts. Mm-hmm. That is what I listen to. That is the way my show has been. I do think that we were talking to one of our clients and she sent us, you know, the video and showing us her listen through rates. And it was March of 2020. Everything dropped off by like 20%. Yeah. People are not listening as long to podcasts anymore. Yeah. My, mine, mine had dropped off noticeably it was like vastly different yeah so I think we are entering a new cultural shift right now yeah where I think we're going to start seeing shorter conversations actually being better now of course Joe Rogan has the biggest podcast in the world and his shows are two and a half to three and a half hours every time and he has a show out like every day so that's a very specific I don't understand that do people listen every day I've no. never I mean, even Connor like worships the ground he walks yeah. on and doesn't listen to every episode. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. Like that's so much time. Yeah. And he only listens because he's like driving to the woods for seven hours. Yeah. So he has the time, you know, or I'm in the car and I'm <laughs> subjected to hell. Um, <laughs> no, I like a lot of the episodes, but you have like a very specific listener. Yeah. I don't think that's the majority of people though. And we're starting to see that even Sam and I were looking at all these numbers and we were shocked at how many shows are anywhere from 45 to 65%. And I think it's just this, the vast majority of people are starting to listen less and they're not commuting as much. So where I would, you know, be driving an hour to work and I'd listen to, you know, 20 minutes of this podcast and then I'd get gas and whatever. And then I'd continue. It's people are walking to their living room to go to work yeah, and maybe they're listening while they cook one day and then they just never go back to the show. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a different thing. And I don't have all the answers because this is really new. Um, But I do think that cutting the show back. I also think this is the other thing. What affects the listen through rate is if people are fast forwarding through the show. So if you have a long intro, we're telling everyone to cut them. Uh, We're getting rid of static intros. And we're also telling everyone to keep your intro really short because what we hear a lot of times the feedback is why fast forward through the intros and the ads. Well, that's not affecting your listen through rate. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind too. Oh man. I know. It's all, it's all a game. I mean, I mean my, my, I listen to a lot less podcasts now Mm -hmm. uh, than ever before because, well, it's weird. I've always worked from home. I don't even know. I think because I just don't walk. I'm not a psychopath. I don't walk 20,000 steps a day anymore. Like I used to. And I'm like, I'm I'm chilling. Yeah. I, I think I've gotten like 20 steps in the last two days <laughs> and I love it. We've been very lazy. Yeah, I love it. No, I feel so good about it. But yeah, so I mean, my habits have definitely changed too. And it's, mm-hmm. it's very different than when quarantine first hit. Cause that was the moment where I was like, all right, doubling up. Right. Yeah. Cause everybody was listening. People were bored and they didn't know what the hell to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, man, that's super valuable. And I feel like part of that might make people feel like people aren't even listening. Like, is it worth it? But it is. And I really feel like podcasting, I'm talking, I've been talking to a lot of friends who own like product-based companies recently about this. And I just, I'm like, look, I feel like podcasting is the way to go in terms of just like getting on shows or even hosting your own show if you're going to do a good job, just because like, that's the only way people are advertising successfully too. Yeah. Right. And there's that side of building your business. Like I, I have heard from so many founders are spending all this money on ads and like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google, like nothing's performing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you have any insight into that. Like, has that come up with, with people you've been talking to as well? I do, actually. Um, it's really funny. You know, we 
our shows aren't going to be sponsored by Target. Yeah. We, our, our shows on average are not getting 100,000 downloads an episode. We support small to medium-sized podcasts. And so what that means is that I'm going after brands that a lot of people have never heard of that are smaller. And what that also means is none of them have ever advertised on podcasts and they don't get it at all. So all of the calls I've been having lately, I'm literally teaching brands how to advertise. And I'm also connecting them with other people that I know on the brand side that have done it really well because I want them to have like a well-rounded approach to this. I understand what the podcaster needs and I also understand what the brand needs. And this is how I can measure ROI. This is how I know something is working. It doesn't mean, like I just did a campaign Uh, for example, with Womanizer, which is a a sex toy. And I think I sold five Womanizers, but they saw so much traction to their website of new users. They were like, this is one of the best campaigns we've done. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about how much people are buying because that is a higher price point product. It's $200 per thing. Um, You know, whereas maybe Element is, you know, $50 a box or whatever. It's an easier entry point. But these, these brands, a big part of it is how can I get brand recognition? How can I have people talking about it and how can I do it in interesting ways you know I I think I do ads really well because I give personal experiences I talk about my orgasms I'm like I use this thing and this is how it felt Um, and so I think the best part about advertising on podcasts is that it's not just the hot chick holding yeah (laughs) the thing taking a photo with like some basic ass caption that means nothing it's me having to bear myself to my audience and say I use this This is how it affected me. This is my personal story, which usually ends up being a two minute ad. And then people start to engage a lot more with the product because they're like, oh, I feel connected to this. This doesn't just feel like some paid thing that I'm scrolling through. Yeah. Well, and I'll say from a consumer point of view, the only time I ever hear ads is on podcasts because I don't watch ads literally anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe YouTube, but I see the same ad every single video, right? So Mind Valley, shout out to you. That's the only, that's the only <laughs> ad I see. You know, so I to me, it's like the only place people are going. I don't see billboards. I don't watch TV. Like, I don't see those commercials. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't even scroll Instagram, right? So I don't even see when people are are putting ads there. So I just think it's it's so valuable. And I that's how I was successful getting sponsors early on in my show is I went after these smaller brands, you know, and I had to kind of, I mean, obviously I was persuasive and I would convince them, you know, they'd never host like a sponsor to show before and they would sponsor me. And I realized that it's, it never worked out well when I was sponsored by a brand that was sponsoring a lot of other podcasts yeah, or a bigger brand. Because what would happen is like my ROI is usually pretty good. The only time it goes down is, is whenever I have a sponsor like that, because the thing is that a lot of my listeners listen to other podcasts and they've heard it on 50 other shows. So the likelihood of them, you know, clicking, using my code, it's just like a numbers game at that point. Totally. Right. And so I just think, you know, if you're, if you're newer, go after those smaller shows for sure. Those smaller brands like if you have a company and this is how I always did it like if I found a company a product that I loved and I used every day I would reach out to them and pitch it to them it usually went super well right if they've never done that before that can be huge for them yeah and it builds like really intimate relationships mm-hmm. and I think these brands because they're smaller companies I mean 
I run a small company too. I get it. You want to have those like intimate relationships where you learn and you trust each other and you try new things out and you see what works. And there's also a level of transparency. I'm not lying to brands and saying I'm getting X amount of downloads and this is this. I'm like, no, this is literally what it is. This is the ROI. This is the price. And this is why it works. My audience is going to love this period. And I think that they really appreciate that level of transparency because there's a lot of bullshitting going on in the podcast space. People are just like lying about numbers. People lie it's gonna, all the time. It's going to come to life. Mm -hmm. If you don't get the ROI, they're going to know you were full of shit. If you're looking to share your message with aligned audiences, then being a guest on podcasts is the best way to do it. It is a guaranteed way to get in front of a loyal audience instead of testing your luck with ads or organic reach, which is getting more and more difficult. This is exactly why we started the Podcast Connector, which is like a matchmaking service for podcasts and guests. Cold pitch emails often go to trash or are left unread, and most podcast hosts only take referrals for their shows nowadays. At the Podcast Connector, we have a huge roster of thousands of incredible podcasts. We get to know each of them individually and exactly what they're looking for and what their audience is like. And we match our guests with aligned shows. We're looking for people exactly like them. We love to make perfect matches. We take the cold pitching out of it. It's a win-win for everyone. So if you are looking to get booked on podcasts, just head to thepodcastconnector.com. That is where you can see all of our options for bookings. Let us take the stress off you focus on the things you really need to be focusing on your business. Let us work our magic and get you booked on perfectly aligned shows. Again, all of the information is at thepodcastconnector.com. Okay, well, I kind of want to transition a little bit and I want to talk about like some of the biggest mistakes you see hosts making. Mm -hmm. I'll say particularly new hosts. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think one of the first things is this aversion to social media. And I would like to preface this with, I am also in a love-hate relationship with Instagram. So Ophelia, which is also what I tell all of our hosts. But what I find is that you're these people are not where their listeners are. So if your listeners are on Instagram or LinkedIn or in your email list and you're not showing up in any of those places, where on earth do you think your show is going to grow? Yeah. It's like I said earlier, people are very rarely going to just find you in Apple Podcasts. So if you want your show to grow, you have to go talk to them. You have to show your face. Sharing your your show on stories, talking about it with your face is the best way to do it, period. We can make all the graphics in the world. The shows that put up just graphics don't grow. Yeah. The shows, and I, I mean, I have the analytics to prove it. It's crazy. The shows that show their face, use swipe up, tell what the show is about, cover the topics, then put the graphics up that have the episode title and the topics card that we create that has like five to seven bullet points and they put it in their link tree. Those shows grow. Yeah. I think the topics card is like the best thing. It is. It gets the most swipe ups. Yeah. It's the best thing. Yeah. I think one of the other things is the lack of patience. I think this is a huge mistake people make and it doesn't matter how many times I tell them this is going to take time. They are so frustrated and feel like they're failing. And this really is a long game. And I've seen shows grow, you know, 500 downloads a month for six months. And that's incredible growth. That's a big growth. So big, right? And if you think that, well, I have this amount of people on social media, which means, you know, I have 18,000 followers on social. That means I'm going to have 18,000 downloads in my first month. It doesn't translate that way. And that's... That's also something that we don't share enough of in the podcast space is we think that's going to happen and it doesn't. And so I think the lack of patience, it gets people super frustrated and then they're not willing to keep showing up. 
Yeah. So I think it's just always taking a step back and saying, okay, I know this is going to take time. And yes, it is an investment of time, energy, money. But if I continue with this and keep organically growing my community, this can be really fruitful and a great part of my business or whatever it is for you. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing is you don't need to have a huge podcast to do really well in your business. Like I have quite a few clients who have very small shows, like they get like a hundred downloads, you know, and they, but over half of those people sign up for the program and they just had a six figure launch. Right. It's like, you you know, depending on your business, obviously you don't need to have gazillion downloads to do very well advertising yourself if that's your goal yeah I agree I think that's one of the other mistakes people make is it's expectation of a certain number I every time I talk to someone I'm like what's your goals for the podcast and it's never about numbers but of course they make it about numbers because we're an achievement society which I get (laughs) but it's like I want 10,000 downloads per episode I'm like okay but like what are you going to do with it Mm -hmm. what like what is the actual point of the show and when we peel back the layers and we get to like the the meat of it I say your business goals, you could actually achieve with a thousand downloads an episode. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I have X amount of clients and these are the numbers that they're producing in their business. And this is where their downloads are. And they're shocked. And I'm like, exactly to your point, it's not about how many downloads you get. It's how you show up and are of service to those people who are listening and how much value you're providing them. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. Yeah, totally. I mean, I never... I don't think of my podcast. I've never thought of my podcast as me, as reaching new people. Like the point of it, that is for me more of keeping up with my most loyal community members. Yeah. I'll say mm-hmm. that's like always been the point. If I want more people to come to the podcast, like it has to be from other places, which yeah. at this port point isn't Instagram either. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually YouTube. That's the best place I've gotten new people. Mm-hmm. But. I want to talk about, okay, first I want to talk about naming shows and then I want to get to boring podcasts because I I like really need to hash that out. But naming shows, so this is something that has been unbelievable to me, unbelievable to me in running the Podcast Connector. Okay, like we have so many shows and some of these names, they either have nothing to do with what the show is about. I have no, like I have, it it literally sounds like it's going to be a fitness show and it is a psychology show. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Or I'm just like, what the fuck does this even mean? I feel like everybody's trying to make their cutesy names, right? Which, you know, it's like on Instagram. Remember when people used to have cutesy blog names? Oh yeah. That was the thing. People are doing that with their podcasts. I mean, how do you recommend people go about coming up with a name? First of all, there's so many. Kelly's like, just ask me and Connor. <laughs> I'm really good at coming up with names you for podcasts. You and Connor are really good at Connor's it. Connor's also great. Yeah. I am horrible at naming my own show. <laughs> so I would just like everyone to know that the first name of my podcast was The Platform. Yeah. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> um, I just, I was like, oh, this is a platform. This is a platform for like great shit. It's uh-huh. called The Platform Podcast. Yeah. Then it was Ceremony Wellness, which actually did make sense and was very much what I was doing. And I think that was the best name. It is now The Kelly Show because... I want to change the name of the show every three months Yeah, and I can't come up with one that makes sense for me. And I don't care to hear Connor's (laughs) advice on this. (laughs) So this is where we are. So the first thing is do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. Most people should not have a show named after them. I want to tie something else into this too, because I think they go well together. Most people shouldn't have their face on the thumbnail or their name as the title of the show. And the, <laughs> at me I know right no we've already had extensive discussions about this and I would love to hear your your mm-hmm. your uh, fight on this one because I think it's a really important conversation but if you think about it and this is what I've seen with all the other genres of true crime comedy entertainment 
whatever it is that the only people who have their faces on podcasts are if they're already really well known and their podcast is huge or if they're famous. Other than that, it's always really cool art that tells a story of what the show is about. And then you pair that cool art with a name of a podcast that's really good. Um, I'll use Connor as an example. I think he does a great job of this. His show is called Politically Homeless. Like it could not be better. That is so obvious of what it is. And then he has like a cartoon picture of himself. I think that is the best thing to do because it grabs your eye. It tells people what the show is about and it has almost like this cartoony psychedelic feel to it, which is his, his personality. And it's very much political and entertainment and comedy mixed together. So I look at that thumbnail and I get a really good feeling for what his show is about. If I look at my thumbnail, it's my head and it says the Kelly show. If someone doesn't know who I am, that literally means nothing to them. They're like, oh, cute girl on a podcast cover. Her name is Kelly. It tells them nothing. Yours works because it's Christina the channel. It's very clear that it's spiritual, that you are a channel, and that's what I'm walking into. So I think it just depends on the person. But, well, before I move forward, would you like to clap back at anything on there? I mean, I can. (laughs) Do you want me to? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I certainly don't know best, right? But my, I think my perspective on it is like, you know, I heard you guys explain that. And to me, it made total, it's made total sense. Um, and then I started thinking about it more and I was like, well, I want to do it's best for the show. So if I remove my face, I mean, that's fine. That's easier for me anyway. This is the first, all of my, um, cover like artwork has historically been me with my face turned because I literally just never wanted my face on the show Mm -hmm. so I always all of my old covers are my face turned I don't know if you remember that um but this is like the first time where you can actually see my face Mm -hmm. and uh so I and I get that like from I would much rather not have my face on it however I was thinking about it more and like to me it makes sense that if it's a crime podcast or a political podcast or a more educational podcast or like a brand's podcast where it's not about the person themselves it makes sense that like their face shouldn't be on it right but to me I feel like there's and I know you guys were like it's kind of arbitrary that people just start doing this in personal development I think it's purposeful because I will say one of the number one things I hammer home for my clients right who are mostly coaches right or they're building some type of personal brand essentially is you need to show your face all the fucking time. You can post the exact same content. If your face is on it, it will sell. If your face isn't, nobody gives a shit. I would never work with somebody where I don't know what they look like. And for me, it's not about what they look like. It's just that I feel a personal connection with them. Mm -hmm. And I know for my own, I know my audience mimics my behavior. And my behavior is when I am looking up podcasts because sometimes I'll you know search a topic or I will um, search a I do this often with with research and guests right like I'll search their name and see the shows I never click on something without somebody's face on it mm-hmm. anytime the cover doesn't have a face on it I purposely feel disconnected from the show and I never click on those so I think because of my bias against that like and for me my show is personal right like to me it's like you better realize that if, if you're listening to my show you're going to hear about my personal life so to me my face should be on it um, and and I think that's true for a lot of personal development people. You know, if you're if you have a nutrition podcast and your show isn't really about you, you know, it's about something else, then yeah, it makes sense for it to not be on there. But I think for me, it needs to tell people it's a personal podcast. And I think for just in terms of marketing psychology, I just think that a face is like more people are more likely to click on it. My ideal client. Yeah. Well, and that's you know your audience yeah. that well, which I think is really important. Yeah. And you are an outlier. Yeah. Like not mo- most people don't know their audience and mm-hmm. themselves the way you do. I agree with you. And that's why I asked the question yeah. when I was at this convention. 
Lipson. And then I went and I talked to a bunch of executives, Mm -hmm. Spotify, Lipson, Red Circle, um, Buzzsprout, all these different companies. And I asked all of them and they were like, it comes across really self-absorbed. And what we have found is that people don't want to click on podcasts that have faces on them, which is but, why but they what, are they looking at podcasts as a whole mm-hmm. versus like people who are in personal development or they're trying to sell their personal services. Right. Like yeah. my, my podcast is to lead people into my other offers and it's all a personal thing. They're buying it because they like me. Right. Really. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is about me. To be honest, like that sounds self-centered. You know what I mean? But it like But you know what? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Again, you do this well. Yeah. What I find is that a lot of people make their podcasts about them and are not giving their audience value. Totally. So yeah. then you do look you are self-absorbed. Yeah. All you care about is that your face is on a podcast mm-hmm. cover and you just want to talk about yourself all day and you never bring your audience in. Yeah. You don't do that. I totally get that. Yeah. So I think that's like, that's the game you have to play. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you have a dope podcast title, you can leave your face on there. Yeah. But like mine cannot stay. Mm. Doesn't make sense. I have to have, even if my face stays, I have to come up with a new title Mm. because it doesn't mean anything. No one's going to see the Kelly show and just click on it thinking, oh, she talks about spirituality and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Like that's not translated at all. Mm -hmm. You have to go in, then you click the description, then you read more, blah, blah, blah. Most people don't do that. They just go based off the thumbnail. How do you think most people find your show if they're new? Sharing on social media or me being on other podcasts. So then why would it even matter? That's how I feel about it. It's like no one's randomly finding my show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's part of where like, I don't know, that's part of my perspective too, right? Like totally. my my podcast, and, and here's the thing. Let's say somebody is randomly picking your show. It's probably because you're in top 50. And at that point, they're going to click on your show just because you're in top 50. Right. So like, I feel like that's the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's totally a fair argument. Yeah. yeah. So, but it is very interesting. And it makes, it totally makes sense to me, like with a lot of those like other genres, I think that when you're selling like a person, like a service through you, it's, it's just a different Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get, I get where you're coming from with your show. To me as an outsider, I think your I think your cover does tell a story. I feel like if I look at your cover, I would think, oh, this is about sexuality. 100%. It's because I have yeah. sex in my eyes. Totally. I'm serious. Yeah. Right? Like, so I do think that. Mm-hmm. So that's just my, yeah. my side of it. I love that. Yeah. And this is like such an important conversation to yeah. have, right? And I think everyone's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, the other point I want to bring up, because you, you said it, is getting on other podcasts. I think that's back to the biggest mistakes people make and the one that I made. One, my production company literally gave me no pointers. Um, So that sucked. (laughs) So two of the biggest things was ratings and reviews. Didn't know that was a thing until a year in. And then getting on other shows is the best way to grow your podcast. I just did a quote unquote podcast tour and I was on four to seven shows a week for a couple months. And I saw my numbers increase, my following increased. Mm -hmm. I got way more DMs from new people. So that is, and I've seen this with countless clients. When they start just hitting the ground running, going on other podcasts. I mean, I've seen shows double in size in a matter of months. So if you're trying to figure out how to grow your show, go be on other podcasts. Like every single week you have to be committed and then take a month or two off while those shows trickle out and then go back on the grind. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're if you're thinking about starting a podcast and you're unsure, 
I would get on other shows first and just see if you enjoy the experience yeah. because you don't have to be like committed, mm-hmm. you know? I so, agree. but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, um, I've seen, I, I never did that either because I was just like, Oh, I don't want to, I always saw myself as just like the facilitator of the conversation. And I much preferred to be asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely had to get out of my comfort zone and be, to be on the other side of it. I know as shocking as that might sound. Cause I just talk all the Chatty time. Chatty Kathy over yeah. here. But it's true. Like yeah. I, I, I really do prefer to be asking people questions, you know, and it was very much a defense mechanism. It's, it's, it's huge. It's huge for growth. It is. Um, it makes you a better interviewer too. Very mm-hmm. true. Um, which I just want to, I mean, we're, we need to wrap up, but I do want to just cover like some, I want to talk about the shows themselves and just some like top things and something that I always look for with a guest. I would say 97% of interviews I've ever had, which I mean, there's been a couple hundred at this point on my show. The person will tell me, I've never talked about that on any show before, or you ask questions I've never been asked before. And to me, that is my sign of like, I did a good job, mm-hmm. you know? And it goes back to what you were saying before, which I wanted to kind of elaborate on or highlight at least, is when the guest is going on a tangent, let them go on the tangent and just keep going down the rabbit hole. I recently had somebody on my show who is a pretty, you know, big name in the in the space. And I was really excited about it. And I had listened to this person on maybe like 10 to 12 shows before just to kind of prep. And we recorded the episode and it was literally nothing to do with anything that she talks about, that she sells. It was just like her personal life and in just like a conversation and I had a couple of people on my team be like like they were like hesitant about it because they're like well she didn't really talk about business like I thought she was gonna talk about business and I'm like dude that was the best fucking show like she I could tell she felt almost like kind of uncomfortable because yeah. I had never she had never talked about this publicly it was like so off base and that's the kind of show that I love because I just feel like you can go, you can go listen to these other 15 shows that they've been on because and that's the that's the thing. It's when people make their do their podcast tour for whatever it is, you hear the same person on 50 shows saying the same fucking thing again and again and again. And I think that one of the best things you can do that's super easy as as a host is if you're having interviews, ask completely different questions. Don't ask the same shit. Yes. I 100% agree. So I, I'm sure many people have heard of Dave Hollis, Rachel Hollis's ex-husband now. Um, but I had him on the show when he was touring for his book. And I mean, this is like a Christian couple who yeah. is like all in personal development, literally never heard them talk about sex before. And I'm like, Dave Hollis is coming on the Kelly show and I talk about sex. So yeah. that's what we talked about. We talked about a lot of things, but did he pitch him? Did, did his team pitch them? him to you no I I, oh, DM, you I DM'd out. him and oh, asked him love it. he was like sure that'd be great he's so nice did um, you tell him that your show is about sexuality I don't I don't think so <laughs> yeah I mean there he saw go. my Instagram yeah. so yeah. he follows me so he knows what's up okay but I and the, he didn't say like you need to send me a list of questions before he was just like I'm game let's go and so I did ask him some stuff about sex and he after the podcast was like I've literally never been asked these questions before and I was so excited because it's someone who you know so many people know and understand and he's definitely like in you know the Christian space and all these things as a dad and he comes on a show and is like willing to talk about this and I went there and it was such a cool conversation and I did the same thing with Atticus the poet he came on and same thing didn't say I can only talk about this stuff we ended up talking about his childhood for most of the episode and like past relationships and everything that shaped him into being the man who he is today and how he understands relationships and romance 
And I'm like, that is so cool that we got to go there because you can listen to both of them on so many podcasts and you're going to hear the same story over and over. And this is probably terrible to admit, but I don't do a lot of research before my shows anymore because I think it lends itself to me not talking about all the same stuff. I talk about what I'm curious about with this person. So I'll go on their social media. If they have a book, sometimes I'll look through it. But I think that the less you get deep into their stuff, the more of a novel conversation you're going to have. And it's going to be geared more towards your audience. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I definitely, when I first started, I did a lot more prep, I would say. And then I really stopped doing all prep. But for people who I know, I always listen to podcasts if I know it's a person who's been, who's recently been on a ton. Yeah. Those are the people that I always listen to because I want to make sure I don't ask the same questions. Totally. So, but if it's anybody else, I don't prepare at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I hate being, I hate being a guest on shows where people send me the questions ahead of time. I hate it. I don't look at them. I hate it. The, you know, what's worse is when they tell you to give them the questions for them. Oh and my I'm like, gosh. one, I don't give people my bio yeah. anymore. I refuse. I'm like, you can talk about how I impact you. Yeah. I'm not giving you my bio, figure it out. Like yeah. who I am. And two, I'm not giving you the questions to ask me do your own job. I think that's so rude. So rude. I've had, I've only had two or three shows asked that. And I was like, I'm not going on a show or I've had people send me a a fucking like 20 minute questionnaire. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I no, I'm not, I'm not doing that at all. Mm -mm. Right. It's so, or I've had people ask me if they can do a pre interview, like a 15 minute call before. No, we have the conversation. It's the best when the first time you ever meet somebody is on a podcast. Like whenever I have had a connection where I want a podcast with them and I'm like, no, it's podcast first. And then we can go out to lunch. Mm -hmm. Like that's the best way to develop the relationship. I agree. And I push record before people, most people know I push record. Yeah, totally. It's way better. <laughs> totally. Way, way better. You know, but I think these are things that like if you are a host, it's actually helpful to hear from people who have been a, a guest and what they do and don't like. And I know for me, like I just told Judy, I was like, I always tell the interviewer when I think they did a really good job because mm-hmm. I'm like, you did such a great job because I, I've been on so many podcasts where their questions are boring. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you asking me this? You can go on my Instagram or listen to my podcast and I talk about this for hours. Like ask me something different that where I'm excited about and you don't want your guests to be bored and I feel like I listen to a lot of shows where I can tell the guest is bored yeah like I agree <laughs> yeah be more dynamic bring more energy to it come up with something different mm-hmm. that is one of the other questions to ask yourself is why is my podcast different than others if you're in a genre like ours where it's super saturated with it feels like everyone is talking about sexuality and the masculine feminine and what are the, whatever manifestation, like say what you will. If you're listening to the same thing over and over again, it's going to be boring. Yeah. So why is your approach to manifestation different than someone else's? How are you talking about it differently? In what ways are you curious that they are not mm-hmm. right? That lends itself to a much more dynamic conversation. Yeah, totally. And to your point, the tone. Right? Oh, Lord, like, yes. please don't just be reading. Some people literally read a script and it sounds so, so awful. Mm-hmm. I was going to say something else about, about interviews, but it just goes back to like, it is a skill, you know? And if you're good at talking, good at holding conversations. Oh, this is what I was going to say. What do you think about the balance between solos yeah. versus interviews? And let's just assume it's somebody who's like in our space, like the soul fire type client. Uh, most of our clients, their solos are their most highly downloaded shows. So something that we forget is that we have shows. People come to our shows for us. The guests are the icing on the cake, but people are not showing up because of your guests. Usually they don't even know who the guest is unless it's someone super famous. So if that's the case, 
then they want to learn from you. Well, it's really hard to learn oftentimes in a podcast from the person doing the interview because when you're the interviewer, you make it about your guest. And I think not everybody, not everyone, (laughs) Um, but you should. Yeah. In my opinion. Totally. But, and you can interject and I think that's really important, but at at the end of the day, it's really your guest is being highlighted. And so I always say 50, 50 for the most part. I think you should, if you're doing four episodes a month, do two solos and two interviews. Of course, you know, that can ebb and flow depending on what's going on and if you have shit to talk about or not. Um, But I think that if you're someone who has a podcast and all you're doing is interviews, you're really missing out on a great portion of what podcasting can offer and your ability to, if you're someone who hosts masterminds or has courses or one-on-one work, this is their opportunity to get a taste of what it's like to work with you because they are going to feel like you're talking directly to them and calling them out on their shit. At least that's what my people always say about me. They're mm-hmm. like, I feel personally attacked by you. Yeah. I'm like, you're welcome. Um, but that is why a lot of people work with me is because they get a taste of, oh, this is how Kelly is in a coaching session. Because yes. I get on my high horse and I like talk about my thing and I'm like talking directly to my listener. So I think incorporating that is really important and really powerful, not only to build your community, but to increase downloads. Yeah, that was a big mistake I made for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing a lot more solos and I think it, well, it helped my sales, which is what I cared about. Exactly. <laughs> big time. Yeah. So that was a huge shift. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, this has been really valuable. I have one final question. Yes. What has been the most challenging part of building a network? Mm. I think not always having all the answers makes me really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am learning as we go. There's a lot of things I learned in Nashville at this convention that I had never heard before. And that was really powerful. So yeah, just not feeling like I know all the things and have all the answers and not being able to tell clients like hundred percent, this is it, right? It's kind of, it's been a lot of trial and error. It's been a lot of like, let's test something out on Christina so we can see if we should do it with somebody else (laughs) because she's a willing guinea pig. I'm like, Hey, will you let me know how this works? Um, but we've done a lot of that with some of our hosts and it's actually, it's, I mean, it's been fabulous because nine times out of 10, it's worked really well. And then we're able to implement it with all of our other hosts, but just not, not feeling like I always know what to do because there's really no guidebook for podcasting or building a network. So I think that's made me the most uncomfortable and yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and because every show is different too. Totally. You know, so it really is individual, mm-hmm. I think. What about the most surprising thing? That people are not getting as many downloads as you would think. Yeah. Most uh, people aren't. The people that you would look at and you're like, they're so successful. They must have, you know, 50,000 downloads an episode. They have, you know, 1,500 to 2,500 and they're making millions of dollars a year and they are selling everything out and their community is obsessed with them and they're just cruising. Yeah. And I think that 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 is a huge problem in the space too. Again, it's something you can't find on Google of, well, where do I rank? Where do I stand? Does 50,000 downloads make make my podcast successful? Maybe by your standards it does. But I would say that, you know, a majority of podcasts, that is not where they are. There are a thousand downloads or less. So I think just those kinds of things put a lot into perspective, but were definitely shocking in the beginning. Yeah. Well, and I've seen the opposite too. Yeah. For sure. Like I've seen people who have a ton of downloads and they but it's not doing anything for their business. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to leverage it or people yeah. don't, they still don't see them as authority and as an authority, which, you know, would depend on what they're saying and what their episodes are about and all of that. So it goes, goes both ways. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Well, I am sure we could 
dive into this for so much longer. There's so much to say about so much itself, but this has been super helpful. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people listening, like want to start their own show. So yeah, if they, if people want to connect with you further, tell them all the places. Yes. Um, well, Christina and Connor and I have a pod course, so I would definitely start there if you feel like you need support. I think we did an amazing job of just doing what we just did. Yeah, I think there's, we did a kick-ass Yeah, job. there's six weeks of content, video, audio, how-to videos. We literally like spilled the beans on every aspect of podcasting in there. Um, so I think it's an incredibly valuable tool for anyone. Um, so I would start there. Soulfireproductionsco.com has all of our offerings. I also have like a little questionnaire um, when you go to the website that talks about some of the things I was talking about earlier, like really important questions to ask yourself that we do with our clients during onboarding um and then if you want to find me personally i'm at kelly m tenant on instagram kelly m tenant soon to be kelly moore oh my gosh oh my gosh so exciting (laughs) so exciting all right thank you so much kelly you're the best thank you you're the best thanks again for tuning in to another episode Don't forget, if you want to get booked on amazing podcasts, or if you're a podcast host and you want to get connected with some incredible guests, head over to thepodcastconnector.com to learn more about our service. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It truly means the world to us. And extra points if you take a screenshot and tag us on social media so that we can see that you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing rest of your day, and we will chat with you again next episode.